Well, greetings to you. Welcome to Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on EWTN Radio. I am Jerry Usher along with Debbie Giorgiani and you. We say that all the time. It is normally your show to take and run with, but this is a pre-recorded broadcast. We think you're going to enjoy it and be very, very blessed. We are looking so forward to this. It's been a while that we've been trying to arrange this conversation, and we're going to be joined today by uh, Catholic recording artist Matt Marr. Since his major label debut in 2008, Matt's become a staple in the artistic and songwriting communities, a nine-time Grammy nominee and a three-time GMA Dove Award winner. He's garnered multiple radio successes writing and recording songs such as his top five CCLI song, Lord, I Need You, very popular song, you probably know it, and the chart-topping radio singles, Because He Lives, uh, Alive and Breathing, one of my favorites, and along with other such hits as Hold Us Together, Christ is Risen, All the People Said Amen, and Your Grace is Enough. And in addition to all of that, his own songs, Matt has written or co-written six number one radio singles for groups such as uh, Crowder, Hillsong, Casting Crowns, Chris Tomlin, We Are Messengers, and more. And he is also a major contributor to the uh, popular television series, The Chosen. Matt Marr, welcome to Take Two. Thanks for having me. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Well, Matt, this this is not your first time on Take Two with the Take Two family. Um, everybody uh, here loves your work, um, your songs, amazing. Hot topic uh, right now, obviously, is The Chosen. My sister and I went to go see it on the big screen, and then all of a sudden, up popped Matt Marr with the wonderful song "The In Between," and we were we we screamed out, "Matt, that is awesome!" So tell us, how did you get involved with uh, the producers and um, all the writers of the Chosen, and how how is everything going? Are you going to do more work with the Chosen? Well, uh, thanks thanks for the 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 glowing review debbie i I appreciate it very much uh uh, you know um i think my connection with the show sort of goes back to during the during the pandemic uh in in i think it was um late summer i believe of 2020 they were obviously filming on a closed set out in utah um there, there was a massive Set out there that uh, that the LDS Church actually the Mormon Mormon Church built, and um, and they they had been very reticent and and basically they had worked out a deal with the creators of the show where the show could film there, which really helped just just because there were so many filming restrictions during uh, the pandemic. So I was supposed to. Um, film a song for their Christmas special and we started talking about it in August of 2020 and then basically it was in November of 2020 and uh, I couldn't make it out there but but I ended up filming a song for that first Christmas special they did at Amy Grant's barn of all places which worked out really really well um, and so then the following year I, I sort of started to get to know the director Dallas Jenkins and so what I was I kind of found out and then I got to speak with him on the phone and found out that, you know, my music and his sort of personal faith journey, God had really used a handful of songs in a, in a very specific way. And so unbeknownst to him, I had, I'd written the song, the in-between in January of 2021 with another fellow artist in town who basically said to me, have you seen the show? And I said, well, I've seen bits and pieces. 
but I really hadn't watched the full episode. Um, it's just one of those things of like when you got kids and you're homeschooling and it's just, it was just sort of like, it was always that thing of like, I'll sit down and get to it. But I, you know, um, you find yourself, um, watching too many, uh, episodes of puppy dog pals with your kids. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, fast forward, Dallas and I talk and I guess sort of as an attempt to say to him, Hey, thanks so much for your creativity and how it's pouring into the lives of people you know, um, thank you for sharing how my songs have impacted you. And so I've, I shared a demo that I'd made of this song, The In-Between. And basically what happened was the other songwriter was like, hey, there's this scene in like the second episode of the show, Mary Magdalene, you know, is talking with Nicodemus, and she says, all I know is I was one way and now I'm completely different and the thing that happened in between was him. And when he told me those lines, like I went and I looked it up on YouTube and watched it and I guess it's just sort of that thing that I think in the heart of every Christian, every believer of Jesus, is everybody knows their in-between moment. Everybody knows, you know, that sort of moment of conversion in a way. And and so you just get it. So I just got it. And so I was like, yeah, let's write a song. And so we wrote the song, and the song was written in like 30 It's like one of those songs that just sort of came out. So I sent him the demo. He responds back going oh, this is incredible. I played it for my wife. She's in tears. And I was like, oh, man, that's encouraging. Didn't think of it. Uh, then he asked me to be part of the second Christmas special. I go out to the set. This is like in, uh, this is later. I think it's in the fall again, like September of 2021. And Jonathan Rumi's on set. And so Jonathan and I actually get to hang out and talk because he's a fellow Catholic. And so just sort of really connected on a, on a kind of a brotherly level. Um, and, uh, and then the call sheet, they're like, Hey, we're supposed to shoot a music video for some song called the in-between. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Which it didn't, didn't happen, but it basically spread on the conversation where Dallas said, yeah, I'd really love to make a music video for this song. And I was like, that's incredible. Uh, so I actually had to go, and record the song for real and not just have a demo, which I did. I'm very, very blessed to have a fortune to have a studio behind my house now. And so I kind of worked on it back here and, um, and got the song done and then went out, uh, fast forward to July of this past year, went out and filmed, uh, in Dallas, outside of Dallas and then outside of, uh, outside of Salt Lake city and Provo on that set this video and so the the video for those who haven't seen it it's sort of like it sort of tells the story of the cast and their in-between moments that they've had with jesus you know because that's the thing it's sort of like that line like i said it's the journey of every believer so it was a real it, it was such a beautiful thing to be part of honestly kind of a bucket list thing that you know in my life i have bucket list moments that i didn't even know that i had Matt Marr is with us here on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Beautiful backstory, Matt. That is fantastic. Uh, we can uh, we can learn more about his uh, his involvement with that song on the Chosen, or we can we have a lot of other things we're going to talk about today. Inviting you to sit this one out by way of phone calls, but soak it in. It's Take Two on EWTN Radio. Matt Marr will continue with us in just a moment. so glad you're with us on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Sit back and listen to this great discussion we're having with a singer-songwriter, Matt Marr. You know him. You love him. 
Um, and we know that the Take Two family has definitely embraced him for many, many years. So that is wonderful. Before we get back to our um, great um conversation we're having with Matt. I loved the backstory of how he got involved with The Chosen. We hope you are enjoying this conversation as well. Before we um, go back to that, uh, we have to highlight the world over in your email inbox. Very important. Don't miss the latest political and cultural reporting and analysis on topics of interest to Catholics and people of faith on the world over with Raymond Arroyo. And get news from the world over in your email inbox every week. All you have to do, folks, is visit EWTN.com and click on subscribe. Jerry? Very good, yeah. Uh, Matt, you were talking before the break about this, this in-between period in our lives. You know, as, as Mary Magdalene said, you know, I, I, I was this way, now I'm this way, and what happened in between was him. Could you, you share with us personally for you, you know, your own faith journey, maybe uh, maybe some details about your in-between, but how you got from, you know, being where you were uh, as a young, you know, young man, maybe a teen or whatever, to where you are today, not just from a musical standpoint, but from, from a faith, faith standpoint and how that comes out through your music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was born and raised Catholic and, um, you know, went to Mass as a kid in in my freshman year of high school, um, I just sort of drifted away from my faith. I mean, um, there was a, a bit, there was a scandal involving an orphanage and some impropriety amongst uh, the Christian brothers who ran it in my hometown, and I think that rocked a lot of people's faith, uh, you know. But but at the same time, looking back on it now, I realized that I had plenty of friends who kept going to church. Uh, and kept serving. I went to a Jesuit high school. Everyone was involved in service-oriented work. Really, I think what it was is my family was going through a lot of hardship. You know, I had an older brother who struggled a lot with depression, and um, that was undiagnosed at the time. And and uh, he was constantly fighting with my dad. My dad struggled with chronic anxiety, uh, became addicted to anxiety medicine, um, was also struggling with alcoholism. And so I, I just think the, that sort of like, you know, kind of tension and a, a little bit of instability, um, you know, just, just kind of made it a thing where, uh, I, you know, I didn't have people in my life sort of advocating for how God felt about it and how God, you know, how even in the midst of that, God still had a plan for everyone. Um, in my family. And so when I was 20, my parents got separated. My mom moved back to Arizona, which was where she, um, which was where her parents had retired. She was, a, she was a Navy brat. Her dad was a Naval pilot who had retired up in Snowflake, Arizona. And so I moved with her kind of just thinking I need a change in life. And, um, and I kind of had a bit of a wake up call. I, 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 you know, long story short, I, I was I got infected with hepatitis C when I was uh, a young child from a blood transfusion and didn't know about it and for certain until my mid-20s. But there was a period where also I had to get tested for HIV, and it was like a wake-up call. Uh, because of my hemophilia, um, they, they said I could have been exposed to it. And it, it was just sort of this thing where I remember I was laying in my bed one night back in Canada before I moved, and, and feeling like I, I heard a voice say, you, you need to leave here or you're going to die. And I don't think it was so much a literal thing. I think it was a spiritual thing of like, um, you know, you, you're not thriving here. And so I went 
to Arizona, which was, I say, proof that God has a sense of humor because it's geographically the most opposite place of anywhere in mm-hmm. in in the in in North America from Newfoundland, which is an island surrounded by water. And I had a cousin my age who invited me to mass, and all of her friends were super active in their faith. And that summer of just hanging out with young adults, a lot of them um, were sort of, uh, you know, kind of volunteers with high school students, helping them with their faith formation. And that was sort of the beginning of the journey. And that, that, it was 1995, and that fall, the music minister at the church, uh, his wife was about to um, go into labor. And so he, he had to bail on the high school youth retreat. And uh, the youth minister was, like, scared to death because he basically said, he goes, I think Matt can play the music. <laughs> and this guy's like, well, he hasn't even have really had a conversion yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was like, ah, I think he's got it. And so I went on that retreat, and I basically remember this moment where, yeah, being the guy who was sort of this, like, quirky musician and standing in the back of the room, and they're doing this really kind of cheesy skit for high school students about, uh, you know, someone's heart getting broken, and the heart is a grapefruit that gets mangled by all these people. And the guy playing Jesus, you know, shows up. He's the shortest guy on the on the ball, the core team, and he's wearing an alb that's like way too short, and you can see his high top sneakers. And but um, there was this moment where he like hands her a new heart, and and uh, you know, which is a new grapefruit. <laughs> and I'm staring at this, going like, "What is this? What is happening right now?" And literally, it was like audibly, once again, like in my heart, I heard, I heard it, it's the Lord. He just said, this is what I'm trying to do for you. I want to give you a new heart. And I burst into tears, and I ran outside, and I chain-smoked like three cigarettes because <laughs> I smoked at the time. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening to me. And it was really just this, like, this, like, very visceral moment where God just literally reached into my life and touched my heart, and it was this thing of, like, I always believed in God. I always say, like, I, I just didn't know that He believed in me, and that was the moment where I think I first heard it. Wow. And it, and it was from that moment on, it was like, all right, this is, uh, I think this is why I'm here. This is why I moved to the desert, you know? It says in Hosea, you know, uh, in the, in, uh, you know, I will lure her into, the, he's talking about Israel, but he says, I will lure her into the desert to speak to her heart. And that, wow. that's what it, that's what God brought me to the desert so he could speak to my heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're so glad he did, Matt, because uh, you, you changed a lot of lives. I will tell you, I mean, you know, we're having this very wonderful discussion and, and, t- and t- you know, Take Two is all about this safe platform where we are very transparent. We just talk and we learn and grow together. And we're going on almost eight years of Take Two and lots of listeners all around um, the world, actually. And it's wonderful. So I will share, uh, and I'm, I don't think I've ever shared this before, but I was, I think I was at your very first or maybe second or third, right right at the beginning, at the church I w- attended in Mesa, Arizona. It's a two-tier, uh, kind of almost a church in the round, uh, um, and I was on the upper tier, um, and you played at the teen mass, and I remember turning to um, my husband at the time, and I said, that 
guy is going to go somewhere. That is amazing because the whole upper floor, uh, the whole upper level of the church was shaking, Matt, when you broke Mm -hmm. out into song and you were playing. And I thought you could feel the Holy Spirit. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. I left that mass that night. I'll never forget. In fact, I still know exactly where I was sitting in the church. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, wow, that was incredible. Do you remember your very first, um, you know, in the music ministry at, at the church you were serving at, or even, you know, afterwards, did you remember your first, the first time you ever really played for the congregation, what it felt like? I'm just curious. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I remember, uh, it, uh, you know, it's all a bit hazy now, uh, but I, I do remember uh, a combination of uh, you know, excitement and nervous energy, and also that you know it was I was so sort of young in my faith. Um, you know, there's a you know a, a yeah, it's like a palpable sense of uh, of the of the presence of God, and and also uh, like your own my for me it was also my own limitation. You know, because I'd barely. I mean, I was never really a singer, you know, it, I've, I've worked in parish ministry for 13 plus years and I played at a lot of weddings and funerals and retreats and prayer meetings and Bible studies and baptisms and, you know, weddings and marriage validations and like, you name it. And, and that was really where I found my voice. Like it's, you know, so I remember the first one, but I also remember going, feeling like I was white knuckling a bit it a bit <laughs> like I wasn't really like you know because it's that thing of like Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours to gain right. mastery of something and it's like I was at hour two you know what I mean so it's like so oh, that's I, it hilarious. Was a combination of yeah it's a combination of this is special and also wow I'm in over my head well, and I just have you to know. say something real quick, Jerry, because this is kind of funny, because you brought it up, Matt, you you kind of slipped it in there that back in the day, you, you used to smoke cigarettes. And I don't know if oh, you yeah. remember that. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the time that I was because I was in religious education at the time when you were in music ministry. And I remember the time I was coming down the back um, stairwell and you you were having a cigarette. And I said, Matt, you got to quit smoking. And you said it actually makes me sing better. Do you remember you said that? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, the things that you'll say to yourself to try to justify yourself are incredible, right. you know? So, yeah, so, yeah it, it, that was the moment where I was like, oh, no, this gives me character. Uh <laughs> Which True. Is, is pretty silly. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, then take so. it for the team because we need to hear your music. So do whatever you got to do. <laughs> Jer- Jerry, I don't know if I ever told you that story. It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. No. Uh. Mm-hmm. I'm well, glad. Well, I, well, anyways, I'm glad I quit. Yes. Yeah. Good yeah. deal. Good deal. You sort of anticipated where I wanted to go next, Matt, and that is, you know, how you went from, you know, those uh, those nervous early first days of leading, like you said, at a wedding, uh, you know, I mean, um, convalidations and, and kind of smaller parish events, you know, to being where you are today. Um, a lot of people are, you know, they're, they're trained, they get an education, they, they, they get that background, the formal sort of training to do music the way you're doing it right now and songwriting and so forth. It sounds like for you, it was probably a little, just a little bit more organic than that how you uh, i was just curious how did you you know discover that this was something okay. you wanted to really take and run with well it was both uh uh you know jerry i mean i i, I spent seven years uh 
getting an undergrad bachelor of music degree in jazz performance. But I was I was uh, I was trained in classical uh, piano. I played trombone and youth orchestra for eight or nine years. Um, I took theory and composition. You know, studied 16th century uh, counterpoint and harmony. Um, so while I was sort of you know in a in a great community uh being formed in my faith i was also practicing five or six hours a day at piano and then it was as a singer i think it was just doing the work of like putting in the hours the reps so to speak you know to use an, sure. a, a, a term from sports you got to put in the work you got to put in the reps and so for me I, I definitely fell into what I'm doing now. I had no, it was nowhere near on my radar of things that I wanted to do. And when I graduated from college, it was 1999, and, you know, the, I, was, I was, you know, uh, certain priests will know how to hire a musician by just saying, hey, do you have health insurance? Um, so that, which I didn't have. So it was like, okay, I can try this out for a year and get a full-time salary. And I'll be the only graduate of a jazz program uh, with with health insurance. So, uh, and I just really fell in love with ministry, and and then I think I as I was very fortunate to have some great people mentoring me, particularly in in the art of writing songs that people can sing together. And sometimes that's in the con. It was sometimes it was in the context of a liturgy, but it was also just in the context, like I said, of worship of playing music, you know, during a time of Eucharistic adoration of, you know, all sorts of scenarios, playing in coffee houses. And so I just sort of became a student in every way, a disciple, you know, of, of my faith, um, you know, but also of just the art of songwriting. And, you know, you kind of have to put in the work. You have to write a lot of bad songs before you write good songs. And it was very much a process of the Lord leading me into it, you know, so I wrote Your Grace is Enough and I was about 20 years ago, either last year or this year. I'm not exactly uh, certain. And when that song got recorded by Chris Tomlin, that felt like uh, a sort of a, a season change for me. I, I, I remember sort of feeling what the Lord was saying, hey, I'm going to open the door, and if you want to walk through it, you can. And I always, say, I always say to young people, you know, don't try to kick down doors. Let God open them for you. It's much less embarrassing if you try to kick down a door and you break your foot in the process, uh, because that's sometimes what happens, right? There's a lot of people just think that uh, when it comes to ministry and faith that you can just sort of will something to happen, but I think that our faith dictates so much more about you know the willingness to kind of stay hidden in a way and let God unfold things naturally, and it's a you know I think. Peace, definitely there's an absence of striving in, in the human heart when you're, you know you're sort of walking in whatever way that God has for you. There's, uh, there's less of a focus on comparison with others. There's, le- there's an absence of judgment or shame. There's, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of sure. clear indicators. So for me, it was really that, not to over-spiritualize it, but it was just sort of this thing of like, this is where I am. I think I should do the best with where I am right now and trust that God has my best in mind for me. 
Yeah, fascinating. We have uh, Matt Marr with us here on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Uh, no phone calls today because it is a pre-recorded broadcast, but we are all learning a lot about this wonderful Catholic singer-songwriter who has worked with uh, so many other beautiful musicians and uh, really changing the world through his music. We're going to continue here in just a moment. Um, Ace McKay is our producer. He has helped to put this broadcast. He actually put this interview and broadcast together, so thank you, Ace, for that. Thank you, affiliates, for carrying the program. We have a whole lot more we're going to discuss with Matt Marr when we come back. We hope you're enjoying this conversation we're having with Matt Marr. We're going to get right back to the uh, topics we'd like to um, talk about with Matt and also about any future projects that he's got in the works. We are excited to journey with him. We love his music. And so with that, uh, Matt, you're talking about being in the music ministry at, at church, you know, as you were speaking, you know, it, it's I, I typed over to Jerry, I feel like I'm walking down memory lane in, in ministry when, you know, you first get started in ministry, God opens those, you know, opportunities, those doors, like you're saying, and, you know, we, we enter into ministry, you kind of catch the ministry bug, if you will, and you just keep rolling with it. With it. Now, here's the beauty of it. We had, I, I, can, I think I can say this safely, Matt, in, when back in the day, we had a lot of um, support in ministry. Ministry was a big deal. You know, you, you entered into it and you just, you, you know, you, you let the creative side of you flow and you really brought a lot of people into the church with your work and in, in music mine would be religious education, but you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Talk a little bit about that because, um, we have a lot of listeners to take to that. They are either in ministry, they are discerning ministry, a vocation, something of that nature. Speak about that, Matt, because if you had said no to any of this, you, we wouldn't probably be talking right now, right? I mean, it would definitely be different. Yeah. There's no, and there's no real telling. Um, you know, life is a is is just is a series of choices and decisions. You know, I, I, I sort of say the same sort of have the same philosophy of it when making music. Um you know, it's music is about making deci- it's about making choices. It's about, you know, being decisive and sort of like um I I never really know if a song is gonna connect with people. I just know that I just need to make choices and make a decision and say yeah, this is what it's going to be, and I'm not really doing it necessarily for anyone else. And so I think for every person, you know, I, I mean, I know that, you know, still in, in any, you know, um, in any healthy parish, uh, you know, the real word is stewardship, and it's, we're all called to be great stewards of what we've been given. And some of us have been given an abundance of time, because of the circumstances of our life, some of us have been given an abundance of talent. Some of us have been given an abundance of treasure. And uh, and I and everyone, by your virtue of your baptism, is called to be a good steward of what you've been given. And it's, I mean, you could say that really the mission of the church and of the parochial system is to help form people so that they understand everything you have is from God. And so how can you give it back? And, and, and the easiest way is not from some necessarily big, massive way, but it's actually just looking at your local parish and saying, what do I have to offer, and, and how, can I, 
how can I do it in a spirit of humility and in a spirit of, you know, uh, creating a greater sense of community where, where Christ, you know, can, can make himself known. This is Take Two with Jerry and Debbie and you. Normally your calls drive the program today. We have a pre-recorded uh, conversation with Matt Marr, Catholic singer and songwriter. And uh, Matt, you know, I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with this artist, <clears throat> and I hope I say his name right, Jordan St. Cyr. And he did a song called Weary Traveler. And I saw he did a video uh, with t- explaining the backstory of that and how he wrote it, first of all, for, for, for all people who feel weary on that faith journey, but also for himself as he is out there on the road trying to balance that between that and family life and so forth. And you mentioned earlier, you know, you've got your own family. Um, the road beckons you. You know, you've got to go out there to do what you do to minister and make a living. But also you need to be there, you know, as the husband and the dad, you know, in your family. So how do you approach that and juggle those things well you know i think in some ways relating back to the last question i think it's about uh, you know being uh, being a faithful follower of jesus is also about uh you know constantly not constantly but seasons of life where you allow yourself you allow the circumstances of your life to um to inform your discernment so when i was single in my mid thirties when I started, when I signed a record deal, you know, it's weird. I was 33 when, <laughs> when I signed a, um, when I signed a record deal, which I just thought, okay, <laughs> this is the beginning of the end Lord. Um, uh, and you know, I think that <clears throat> my discernment then and the reasons and the parameters in which I made a choice to do that were completely different than when I got married. And when you get married, it's like, okay, so there's two of us and we are, trying to live out a covenant that we've made with God, which is really there's three of us, you know, as, as uh, Fulton Sheen would say, uh, Archbishop Sheen. So it's like, okay, so there's three of us making this decision, and, and the circumstances of our life have changed. So we need to let those circumstances drive our discernment. And now being a dad with three kids, and my oldest will be 12 this year, my youngest is about to turn seven next week, you know, my daughter's nine. Okay, so I'm Still called to travel, but I, I talk to my kids about it. Hey, do you like mm-hmm. what dad does? Do you, mm-hmm. how, how does it make you feel? Um, because they're people. And, and not only that, we, my wife and I made them. So, and we're responsible for trying to point them to heaven. So it's all, you know, I would say is that you have to kind of hold it all loosely. It, um, it doesn't define you. It's a big part of me. It's a big part of how I express myself, but you know, ultimately, if I lost my voice tomorrow, I would still have infinite worth and value to God. Uh, I would wrestle with it, but his mind is made up. So I, I, I think that, you know, you just have to hold it loosely and realize that things can change, seasons can change. And, but you do, like you said, you do have a responsibility and an opportunity to use those gifts. And so, you know, I tried to do it. I took a long break from parish ministry. And I've been actually playing at my parish again now in Nashville for wow. probably the past six years. So there's a group of us who, who rotate on Sunday nights. We started at a 5 o'clock mass for families and kids. And it's mm-hmm. very simple, you know. Uh, the music's set up in the back of the church, but mm-hmm. it's actually great now. And, and my, my daughter's, you know, cantering with me. And so, you know, you're, like I said, your discernment changes. And so I love doing what I do, and I'll keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, I also know that my vocation and my family are more important. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. The priorities change when you have a, a wife and a spouse and a family. Absolutely. Um, but I bet that parish that you're um, doing the music at, at the five o'clock mass, you said, I bet, I bet it, is, it, is, it is expanding, um, wouldn't you say? Is it, I mean, is it getting bigger as when they know that you're there? I mean, I would think if they, if, in, seriously, Matt, if the word got out, Matt Mars playing at the five o'clock mass, I, I would think it would be packed. Well, I think it's growing. You know, I think that um, I think that there, there's, uh, you know, the parish is an older parish. It's been around okay. for a long time, and okay. and so I think that um, the idea of you know we're in the middle of a huge campaign right now, expanding our campus and and building a new gymnasium for the school. So there's definitely a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think like every Catholic parish struggles right now with. Uh, you know, people who are in the face of an ever-changing world wanting to hold on to what makes Catholicism special. And at the same time, it's like, how do we make room for young families? You know, uh, like we had a conversation with our pastor because we have a cry room and somebody had put a sign up in the cry room that said, please observe reverend silence. And I'm like, Whoever put that sign up has never been around a three-year-old. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's, the, it's called the cry room. It's literally <laughs> called the cry room. Like, like <laughs> that, that that's, is hilarious. That's what it's for. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so you know, but I, but I think it's changing. You know, it's like someone said at my parish. You know, every time a child cries, everyone should celebrate that our parish is growing. Amen. Yeah. And that's. That's the sound of a parish growing, you know, is, is a child crying during that. And it, it's just sort of like, you know, it's that thing of um, no one person, no introducing like one person or one leader is going to change a parish. It involves the whole community. It involves everyone responding, rolling up their sleeves and saying, okay, we're the people of God. Uh, you know, we've been given every good thing we need to, uh, to advance the gospel in our, in our community. Let let's all let's all get to work together, and so I think that's definitely the attitude that I'm, you know, trying to help, uh, you know, extend on behalf of my pastor, who's a who's a beautiful man, and has a great vision for the parish, and so, yeah, we I mean it's great, it's it's messy, um, lots of you know lots of opportunities to change and grow and learn to, how to understand people better, and and work together, and um, yeah, so I'm just. I'm just kind of grateful to kind of be back in it a little bit, and uh, and it's it's fun watching my kids' faith grow. Mm, I'm sure it is. Matt Marr is with us here on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on EWTN Radio, and uh, be- this is fascinating, Matt. You know, so I'm I'm sure you're sharing a lot uh, that we didn't know about you and your background and how God has brought you to where you are today. But same with our listeners, I'm sure you're r- really edifying those who are listening to this right now. And you know, as you as you discern, as you uh, bloom where you're planted right now, which is of course many places around the world. You've been to several World Youth Days and and traveled and done concerts and so forth with all uh, many other big names in, in Christian contemporary Christian music as as you look ahead for yourself you know wh- where do you see God taking you now do you have other projects planned anything anything that you could possibly share with us your involvement with the chosen where do you see your ministry going right now in the coming years yeah well I, I there's definitely conversations always with the chosen Dallas is a friend and I'm I'm constantly I just told them any way that I can ever help even if it's just to connect you with people or, you know, I'm, I'm on board. Um, 
so I think that show is continuing to see its impact within the artistic community, you know, mainly the music book community. And, you know, uh, at the same time, it, what's best for the show, obviously, is if more musicians get involved and do stuff. So I'm, I'm excited for that, and I'm cheering them on, you know, every way I can. I think I'm uh, always, you know, loving a spirit of collaboration. You know, so much of my ministry over the past um, 17 years really has been fueled by the 17th chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus praying that his followers would be one if he is one. I had a real encounter with that scripture in 2005, around the time that Brother Roger, who's the founder of Tide Day, died. really felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to carry part of this torch of writing songs that sort of bring the whole body of Christ together, even as fractured as it is. So I think that that's something that is, you know, driving my creativity. At the same time, I'm excited about, um, you know, new music, particularly coming out of the Catholic Church. I've met a lot of young musicians writing contemporary music. There's a young artist who I think you're going to hear more of in the next several years. There's several of them, but one is an artist named Sarah Kroger, uh, who lives in Nashville and is an incredible writer, vocalist, uh, writing great worship music. Another is a young guy named Seth Schleter, who's part of a Catholic ministry community called Damascus, which is out of outside of Cincinnati, or I think in between Cincinnati and Columbus, and uh, writing beautiful worship music. Like, uh, they're just in a really powerful community, so... I think in the next couple of years, even like looking at the Eucharistic revival that the bishops are planning uh, for next year, I think it's a really exciting time in our faith. Um, I've been, you know, I've featured my music uh, on the Hallow app, um, my album, The Advent of Christmas, and we're, I've actually been working on a project with them that um, that's all I'm going to (laughs) say, but (laughs) but I'm really excited about it um, because I'm I think in this part, too, it's like I'm trying to find, you know, what are the new ways to connect people with, help them in their faith, but also just help people listen to music in, in, in new ways. I think technology is changing a lot. And so, you know, it's we all, all of us on this call, we remember a world where uh, eight-track cassettes were the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and oh, you know, yes. streaming has been a, yeah, streaming has been, you know, the thing. But who knows what's coming? And so in, in, in all of those innovations, when it comes to music, you know, the thing I'm still most excited about is just being able to play and sing with people in person. Mm-hmm. I mean, our faith is an incarnational faith, and that you just can't replace that. Right. Right. Amen to that. Okay, a couple of quick questions. So the 5 p.m. Mass that you sometimes uh, play at, at, at in Tennessee, um, is that a more of a contemporary liturgy or traditional which is it a mix? Yeah, yeah, it's more. It's, I would say it's probably more contemporary. But I mean, right now it's just like a piano and vocal. So that's okay, gotcha. a, literally a piano and one voice, and um, so so pretty simple. Not 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 loud and not too bombastic. But um, mm. <laughs> but yeah, and 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 it's an opportunity, honestly, for me uh, to sort of be inspired again by the liturgy, you know, in in my songwriting which is right. just something that I think it fueled so much of my early songwriting. And oh, yeah. it's definitely a well... It's the thing that I, I know that it's the sacramentality of the Church is that I have so many friends who aren't Catholic who say there's something about your song that just is different. And I know mm-hmm. it's the sacramental life of the Church. Mm-hmm. 
It's not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not some crazy genius who's cracked songwriting. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's the sacramental imagination of the church is, is, um, it's just a wider imagination. I think yeah. it, it, and it meets people where they are and it reminds them of the beauty in the world around us, everything from seasons to time, you know, you mm-hmm. name it. So, well, silence. It, so, your music has great depth. Matt, very uh, uh, tremendous depth, and we talk about that a lot on Take Two, um, because there's a lot of let's face it, there's a lot of shallow swimmers of the Christian world in general, and you know God calls us to go deep and to really have that that transformative experience when we encounter Him, and and I personally believe, and I'm not saying this because I know you and I and I love you and I care about your work. I really am saying this. Your your music is is. Incredible, absolutely incredible. It, I feel a change in my soul when I listen to the songs, the the words. Jerry and I have done previous shows on, you know, I think Jerry, you titled it. There's a there's a song in that or something because Jerry was a DJ uh, back in the day, and um, and we do a lot of things on, you know, lyrics of of music and stuff. And I I will tell you, it's it's mind blowing. I always come back to your music, and I've said this many times on the show, your music and Tom Booth's. Why? Because there's a depth, there's a depth to it. And, and so much so, Matt, that I have had people come into my car. This is no joke. They've come into my car and they'll search through all of my, um, you know, the, the music CDs and they'll say, do you have anything else other than Matt Marr? And I say, no, I don't. (laughs) So Matt, if God forbid, if if God forbid, I end up in an accident somewhere on some highway in Arizona, you're going to see Matt Marr music all over the place. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, yeah, thanks for saying funny. that. You know, and I, it, I, you know, the the great thing about our faith is we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. So it, we don't have to, you know, we're just we're all handed a baton as we're formed in our faith, and we're running a re, we're all running a relay race. You know, Paul talks about, you know, running the race and keeping the faith. And what I've learned in my life is that you, you're, you're actually not running alone. Uh, you're never alone. So, um, and, you, you know, you get handed a baton at, at a certain point in your formation of faith. Everyone knows when it happens. Like I said, you know that moment. And, uh, and just, you know, run the race that you've been given. Run the segment that you've been given. And be sure and hand off that baton, pass it on to the people around you. You know, don't, don't just keep it to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you just do the best of what you have. We're uh, winding down our conversation with Matt Marr, Catholic singer, songwriter, who has uh, really worked and collaborated with uh, some uh, beautiful, wonderful uh, artists and, and, and worship leaders around the world. We're going to continue here in just a moment. Before we do, I want to tell you about another program, Fathers of Mercy Hour, Sunday morning, 4 Eastern Time, and Monday at midnight Eastern on EWTN Radio. You may be familiar with the preaching order of the Fathers of Mercy. They provide these excellent parish missions and retreat talks featuring Father Wade Menezes, Father William Casey and others. That's the Fathers of Mercy Hour Sunday mornings, 4 Eastern Time, and Monday night at uh, midnight Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Um, Matt, you mentioned your the burden you've had on your heart for, for you know, working for Christian unity and so forth. 
I'm kind of curious, what, what are the conversations you have with other, you know, contemporary Christian recording artists, especially non-Catholics? Are they, do, they, do they inquire about your faith? And you mentioned the sacramental dimension and all of that. Um, tell us a little bit about how those, you know, backstage conversations go, if you would. Yeah, I mean, I always I joke with some people and say, some days I feel like uh, an ecumenist disguised as a musician. Um, uh, you know, I think that everyone has an opportunity, you know, to, to share the reasons for why they believe what they believe. You know, I think you can come into any relationship or conversation looking for the window, or you could just simply say, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to passively trust God and wait until the window opens itself. And usually that's what happens is that someone will ask me, which is so much easier than saying, can I tell you about, um, generally in life? It's sort of that thing of like, what makes you different? What makes you tick? Why do you think this? Why do you believe this? So, you know, I've talked about everything. I've talked with some folks about the rosary. You know, I've talked with folks about, you know, Mary and her unique role in salvation history, her unique role in the church, in the church intercessing in heaven. Um, you know, I've talked about it from, you know, uh, I've talked about it from a theological standpoint, from a scriptural standpoint, from a from a, a Jewish cultural standpoint, you know, just the idea of, like, you know, Jesus up until he was 12, learned everything about his faith from his mom, because that's what happens in, in, you know, in Hebrew culture. So it's, um, I've, I've talked about the Eucharist, you know, countless times. I literally just had a conversation uh, a week and a half ago with a good friend who's an artist who just said sort of like, okay, so, you know, why do you believe what you believe? Which, basically what it tells me is that, you know, it's interesting. I think particularly when the Jesus movement happened in the 60s, Part of that movement originally was sort of, you know, uh, that sort of spirit of, you know, you can call it modernization or just the, you know, the charismatic renewal wasn't just something that happened in the Jesus movement. And, you know, the Catholic charismatic renewal is a massive movement that's global around the world. Uh, I was just at a festival in France last summer in the the Pré Le Monial, which is the city of the Sacred Heart where St. Margaret Mary Alicote had the vision of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I, I was in the church. It was it was incredible. But I was there with a bunch of non-Catholics, and there was a priest who is an English priest who lives in um, in Burgundy, who basically was explaining to all these musicians who were with me the story of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which is just beautiful. But it, you know, what I would say is what I've learned about the notion of ecumenism is that I think there is a form first of relational reconciliation. Pope Francis talks about this a lot, but he's, most of what he talks about, he's, you know, he's echoing already the pontificates of John Paul II and Pope Benedict. But so he sort of talks about a relational reconciliation first, which I think a lot of Catholics, you know, particularly in the South or in, in various pockets where the evangelical church is strong, have had experiences of feeling marginalized because of their faith. I've had plenty of people say, you know, do you get, you know, do people badmouth you because of your faith? I'm like, I don't think they badmouth me, but they definitely, there's parts of it that just, they just don't understand because it's so foreign to what they've been formed in. You know, mm-hmm. so I think there's a thing of, there's a, there's a reconciliation that happens out of friendship. Mm-hmm. And for me, the thing that created common ground, friendship forms out of common ground. And what created common ground in my life 
was worship music. So when I wrote Your Grace is Enough and Chris Tomlin sang it with me at a, at a conference in Phoenix, the fact that we were singing this together created common ground for us to have dialogue. Right. And out of that dialogue came a friendship. And then eventually over the years, it's like, okay, so why do you believe this? Why do you do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you explain it to first help people understand. Sure. But the reality is, is that conversion is not an intellectual event. It's a supernatural event that happens mm-hmm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. You can, cre- you can create, you can see the ground with facts and figures and doctrine and exegesis. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, what causes someone to have a, an experience towards stepping into full communion with the Church is the Holy Spirit. It's God <laughs> Himself. You know right. what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Matt, we could talk about this for another hour. Unfortunately, we only we have less than two minutes, so, but that was wonderfully <laughs> said. Thank you so much. That was powerful. That I hope our listeners really, um, you know, listen again to this incredible broadcast. But Matt, a couple things. Um, maybe you could come back and visit us again. Maybe you could bring your beautiful wife, Kristen, because we understand that she's writing some incredible books uh, for children on negative emotions and things like that. So maybe down the road, um, you could speak with Ace and we could have you and Kristen on. That would be phenomenal. So think about that. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Okay. Um, There's a reason you were named Matthew, um, a gift of God, because you have been a tremendous gift to all of us. So thank you so much for all you do. Jerry? Yeah, real quickly, Matt, as, as Debbie said, we got almost coming up on a minute. If you can take about 15 to 20 seconds, sorry to do that, but you know where you are online and social media and so forth, how people can follow you and your music. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, it's Matt Mar Music, Twitter, it's Matt Mar Music, uh, my website's mattmarmusic.com, slash tour is tour date, come see me on the road, would love to meet you. Awesome. Thank you so much. You've been more than generous and gracious with us. Matt Marr here on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. Again, it was a pre-recorded broadcast. Our sincere thanks to uh, the guy who really keeps the show humming. That is Ace McKay, our producer. Jeff Burson is on social media, normally on the program. Matt Kabinsky, the call screener. And again, we are always so grateful to you, the affiliates, for listening. And of course, the Take Two family. For Debbie Giorgiani, I am Jerry Usher, wishing you a beautiful and blessed day. And we ask, as always, St. Joseph, please pray for us.